0: October 27, 2023, time for episode 238 of the Sports Marketing Podcast. How's everybody doing? It's your man, Uncle Dub. Hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, underscore Uh Friday edition show. Uh, so let's see, it's been about seven days since you got an episode. Now, remember, last Friday was just the college football pick episode for, what was that, week eight we are in? Yeah, week eight. Um, I think a full episode. I think it was probably like several days before that. But anyway, glad to be back um hopefully we'll be kind of getting into more more of a relatively consistent episode drops we'll see how it goes I I feel like I'm gonna have a I feel like I'm gonna have a um, Wednesday conversation next week so that's gonna kind of bring a little bit more consistency back into the rotation but let's go and get started MLB the World Series is now set in the ALCS the Rangers win game seven 11 to four over Houston Texas they were up 4-2 to after 3. They had a 4-1 fourth to go up 8-2. to And they put the thing in cruise control and took down the Astros. So, I think the last show I said, or one of the last shows I had, I said, well, you know, I don't want to get into this whole, I want to see the Astros lose. Because when Texas took that 2-0 lead, the Astros came storming back. Like I said, that team was fueled by hate because essentially they know that probably a good chunk of the MLB fan base hates that franchise. But Texas hitting the baseball, some good pitching, uh, and they really hit the baseball. Um, took down the, the the Astros to kind of, to advance to the World Series. In the National League Championship Series, Arizona took the Phillies to Game 7 and won that game, I believe the final score was 4-2 at uh, in Philly. So the World Series starts tonight in Arlington, 8 first pitch on Fox. Um, so I talked about, Arizona during the AL during the divisional series and how they took out the Dodgers. And I and I was talking about their pitching and looking at the Dodgers hitting, looking at Arizona's pitching. I was thinking, does Arizona have enough to go the distance? And so far, so good that they have, because remember, Philadelphia won the first two games at home. And I feel like they won by like, I want to feel like they hit about 20. I think they drove in about 20 runs. I think the second game was 10 to 6, or something ridiculous like that. The first game, I think they hit like eight runs, something in that time frame. So, something in that range. So, I feel like they averaged about nine runs in two games at home. But then the Arizona pitching was able to kind of, you know, reset the deck, stabilize things at home. The hitting came. So, I feel like Arizona has this nice balance of pitching and hitting. They've got enough hitting to support the pitching. And now I ask the question again. Does Arizona have enough pitching to suppress the Texas bats? Most people would say yes. Now, again, this is what we talk about with baseball, that this thing is wide open. Anybody can win this thing. So last two teams standing. I mean, if you I I don't know what the expert said, I would have to go back and read what the quote expert said. And I bet you money. They probably either had Atlanta or the Dodgers in this thing. And from the L, they probably had the Astros or. I'm trying to think who else potentially could have come out of that side. I'm just quickly thinking about the other teams that are in it. But anyway, none of those teams are in it. This is the first time I think since 2016, there's no Astros or Dodgers in the world series, which is mind blowing, but shows you some dominance. It shows you the dominance that has been taking place between the two franchises over this period of time. So now who wins this thing? So I've given my world series prediction based on what I've been saying. again, been watching games here and there haven't really caught a whole series but been plugging in checking out different things I'm gonna take Texas in six I'm I'm gonna take the Rangers in six games now I don't have a dog to fight so again this thing could if Arizona wins it I ain't gonna be upset but I'm gonna go Texas in six again I think about Arizona if Arizona keeps that pitching stable they can Strike out enough batters, keep them off the base paths, and then they can hit that Texas pitching, have that balance, enough pitching, to, enough hitting rather to support the pitching. Arizona wins this thing. I'm going to give the edge to Texas. I'll take Texas in six. Let's move over to the WNBA. The Aces, the Las Vegas Aces, had their victory parade um, Monday, this past Monday. And, you know, we talked about, you know, their win in my show last week uh, briefly talking about that situation. And the Aces had a victory parade, and some some thoughts from that. I wanted to actually talk about thoughts. I didn't mean to say that again, but um, hilarious. Sid Colson, Sid Colson, got on the on the platform on the dais and said, in so many words, the Aces could have because they were grinding all season. She said they could have blown up social media all season, but they didn't. They knew that they had something special going on. And they were just working behind the scenes to get to this moment. And she alluded to the night night comment after, you know, in the post game after they won the championship. And if I if I understood what she was saying correctly, it was in response to something that New York did. So I think they did something on social media. And they felt disrespected. And of course, I understand you know, you're defending champs, you're in this thing, you feel like you got a good shot, as good a shot as anybody, a good a shot as your opponent to win this thing. And she said that was kind of the big response that we could have just been on social media every day talking trash throughout the season, throughout the playoffs, but they didn't. They just kept it cool. So she said, hey, we're going to end this thing. We won it night-night by New York. So that was her way of getting a dig back. So I think that you know, with these two teams, um, I feel like, uh, and this has been confirmed, I said last time the question was, is this Vegas team going to stay together? So Kelsey Plum confirmed at the beginning of the week. I think she was on ESPN. She said that everybody's coming back next season. So you're going to have what you hope. A healthy Chelsea Gray, a healthy Kia Stokes, a healthy Candace Parker. So with those three, because remember, uh, Candace Parker hasn't played since, I think, J- June, July. She had foot surgery. Kia Stokes was out. Chelsea Gray was out. Two big pieces in last year's championship run. Two big pieces in this team. Um, but they, you know, they did they did it together. What they did it without them. Um, Asia Wilson did her thing. They, it was a, it was truly a team effort as they encourage each other at the start of the series and so with that said now you got a situation where this is looking like the team to beat for next season GM Natalie Williams in so many words that in her comments said let's go for the three-peat so she got the crowd really riled up with everybody back next season they are definitely have great odds New York on the other hand I think They've got most everyone on the contract. I feel like the only person who kind of has an option, I think, is Jonquil Jones. I doubt she's going to go anywhere. That would be earth shattering if she left. But I think everyone else um, is on contract. I mean, obviously Stewie, but I believe VanderSloot is as well. Um, So I think New York is going to be relative. And I'm trying to think of the other role players. I think everybody's on the contract. So there may be one or two people that they're probably going to either you know, be talking with to ensure that they retain them, whatever the situation may be. But for the most part, you got Vegas intact. New York is going to be relatively intact. These two teams are going to meet again in the regular season next year, obviously. But wouldn't that be crazy if we saw them again in the finals again next year? I mean, that would be absolute insanity. But then the question is, You know, what's going to fuel these teams? I mean, already, I feel like in so many words, the the match has been lit and we've got an explosive, relatively explosive rivalry here. So now does it get more explosive as they meet next season and all through, you know, er, know, all through everything? Remember, New York won the Commissioner's Cup, and I think that game was an absolute blowout uh over vegas but vegas ends up you know they won the Commissioner's cup last year they won the title they're thinking okay Commissioner's cup we lose of course they weren't happy they lost that's money in their pocket but they got the biggest prize and then of course uh asia wilson won the mvp man let me tell you uh <laughs> the, the, these post-game press conferences uh pe- post-championship i mean now i'm coming to expect boombox kelsey Plum. I want to see that again. I want to see a 3P. I want boombox Kelsey Plum again. Um, Asia Wilson, always quotable, championship or not, but in that press conference, what last year was four shots deep, this year's eight shots deep. Asia Wilson, win another one, let's go 16 shots deep. Hell, I might even try to go 16 shots deep. I might not live to tell you about it, but it sounds like fun. But anyway, this is a team that is built for yet another championship run. Uh Becky Hammond. <laughs> Speaking of post-championship game press conferences. Um, going back to Asia Wilson, she was talking about, you know, come out, support, let's get crazy, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and she got a response from Usher. She was just totally floored, but Usher said, Come to the show, that's a whole nother thing. But um, Becky Hammond said to Asia Wilson, we gotta clean up the language. She and she goes, you're right, you're right, we gotta, you know, make this a family affair, blah, 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 blah. And Becky Hammond gets on the dais, and she's the first one to cuss. Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. And uh, I think it was Silver State Sports was carrying it on NBA TV, or NBA TV was carrying, rather, Silver State TV's coverage uh, of the parade, of the victory parade. And their delay was not quite right because they were some MFs and some you-know-whats were flying (laughs) throughout this thing. And every now and then the delay would kick in. So the delay was a little bit off. And it may have been it may have been between the two transmissions. Who knows? But the delay was not quite in place. But Becky Hammond was afterwards like, I'll find myself one hundred dollars. I mean, I don't know. She let off a few. Rightfully so. Hey, no disrespect. Hey, you got two championships. Hey, say what you want. I get it. I ain't mad at you. But I'm sure she had to kind of laugh. me. Ooh, my bad. I want the family affair. And <laughs> I end up cussing like a cuss like a sailor. So. Uh, I'm sure she'd find herself more than a hundred dollars, but such a great time. I mean, you, I just love the energy, love seeing everybody, you know, hyped and excited. And, um, one of the, one of the broadcasters was saying that they felt that this was a bigger crowd than last year, and rightfully so last year was new, but yet you definitely saw the support of the ACEs, but second time around, I mean, folks really came out really excited. Uh, they were in front of T-Mobile Arena where the where the, gold, I think the Golden Knights play T-Mobile Arena. So they really had a good time on Monday. So now we get into the offseason. It is now, you know, all, we're almost to November. And I feel like this year has been on a jetpack. <laughs> and so now in the next month or two, you know, college basketball is going to start in a few weeks. Probably I think we're about two weeks away from the start of college basketball, somewhere in that number. Um, yeah, two weeks or so and um we'll start talking mock draft you're going to see some mock drafts that they aren't already out there but in december i believe we're going to see the free agent list so that's going to be the interesting piece because now not only you know vegas seems to be pretty intact new york seems to be be pretty intact what do the other teams do at dallas um they you know improved greatly made a playoff run didn't make it past vegas but here's a team that Has the right combination of players? What pieces do they need to plug in? Connecticut, what are they going to do? So all these teams are going to position themselves for free agency. And, of course, we'll get to the draft lottery. So who's going to take home the first pick? And now I'm interested to see these um, mock drafts, who they're projecting the first pick to be. Um, uh, We also have in the WNBA, uh, they're going to get a team in Golden State. So they're going to expand out west. So one team, great. Um, I read somewhere that the Maple Leafs um, backing group in Toronto rejected a, um, a request to or they what is it they rejected doing a WNBA franchise or something to that regard, which I'm going that's outrageous, considering if you remember the Canada game, the Canada game was a complete sellout. That was what the Sky and the Lynx complete sellout. And if that's true, I really would like to know more about that because, you know, basketball, you know, I think that proved that basketball could, you know, WNBA could work in Canada. And I would like to see, you know, the the WNBA expand into Canada, you know, much so like as the NBA has uh, in that regard. But uh, a lot of uh, great storylines going into The end of the 27th season as the 28th season gets 28th season will get ramped up uh, in springtime. Let's move over to NASCAR. Last Sunday, I should go to yeah, last Sunday in Miami, Christopher Bell wins the Homestead race. So he advances to the round of four. Ryan Blaney, second, Tyler Reddick, third, William Byron, fourth and AJ Allmendinger, who won the week before that fifth. Now, two weeks ago, Kyle Larson, he won the first race of the round of eight at Las Vegas. So now we have two in, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell. Um, He uh, won both stages of that race. He led the most laps and held off Christopher Bell to finish. So Christopher Bell didn't get the win two weeks ago. He gets the win. So your playoff standings, Bell and Larson are one and two. William Byron, third. Ryan Blaney, fourth. So there's still two more spots remaining. Uh, Two races left in the season. Uh, wow. I did, Or three races. Anyway, two races left in the season. So now we get one more person in and then the last person gets in on points, um, at the cut line. Oh, I should go back. Vegas race, bell. Second, Bush, third, Keselowski, fourth, Ross Chastain, fifth. Let's go to the playoff standings. We mentioned the top four on the bubble. Currently, Tyler Reddick is, uh, 10 points below the cut line. Martin tricks, jr. And Denny Hamler, 17 points below the cut line and Chris Buescher. is It's 43 points below the cut line. So, again, how this all pans out, we'll see on Sunday. They go to Martinsville. So Martinsville, short track, fun short track. They're going to go 500 laps on Sunday. The green flag drops 2 p.m. on NBC. Speaking of college basketball, the preseason polls were released early in the week. Let's go through them. Let's start with the ladies Number one with 35 first place votes is the defending national champion LSU. Number two, UConn with one first place vote, three, Iowa, four, UCLA, five, Utah, six through 10, South Carolina, Ohio State, Virginia Tech, Indiana, and Notre Dame. Let's look at the conference breakdown. Um, Big Ten three, Pac-12, two, Big East, one, ACC and SEC, two teams each. Overall, the Pac-12 has six teams in the top 25. Notables. Beyond the top 10, Tennessee at 11, Ole Miss at 12. So remember, Ole Miss went to the Elite Eight last year. This is their first preseason ranking since 1995, and their highest ranking was ninth in 1992. Coach Yo at the SEC Media Day, she was all dressed up. She got a lot of compliments, and she said, look, I'm bringing out out all the stops. I brought out all the fancy jewelry, everything. She goes, I dressed up last year. We went to the Elite Eight. If I do it again this year, we might make the Final Four. And remember, Coach Yo went out and hit the transfer portal hard. They've got some players. This is a team that is built for the Final Four. So, again, I'm not going to try to make this bold prediction, this bold statement. But Coach Yo, you've seen the progression. She has really built this Ole Miss team. And I'm really excited to watch them play this season. Stanford at 15. this is their lowest preseason rank since 2015 where they were 16th um Stanford has been in the top 10 in the last six in the last uh six preseason polls so Stanford's hitting a bit of a rough patch uh you know with graduation transfer you know Stanford's got a lot to prove I mean they're not going to be a slouch in the last year of pac-12 play but it's gonna be interesting to see if not Stanford then what you got? You got Utah and UCLA look like the teams to beat. USC's got a lot of good talent. Um, I'm not going to ever count on Arizona. Adia Barnes always got something up her sleeve. She's got a slew of good freshmen. Uh, I think she hit the transfer portal as well. Uh, It feels like with Arizona, it feels like there's always this weird net effect that as many players that leave so many players come in so again i always feel a little nervous at the end of the season with arizona because they always have a good core and then five or six of those players that core roll out i mean not graduation i'm talking okay i'm out of here i'm transferring which is very strange um let's move over to the men number one is kansas with 46 first place votes duke second 11 first place votes purdue three first place votes zach ed your your uh what he was winning the naismith last year. He's back for another season. A lot of people thought he was gonna go pro, and they had that tough loss uh in the tournament where I think they would have gone to the final four if they had won that game. Michigan State at fourth with one first place votes and five is Marquette. Six through ten. Defending national champions Yukon are at six with two first place votes. Houston, Creighton at eight. Tennessee nine and Florida Atlantic. So participating in the final four last year, they come in at, as a top 10 team from conference USA. So FAU as a top 10 team, out of conference USA dusty may has something very special at Florida Atlantic. The question is, can they dominate conference USA and get back there? That's going to be the trick. But what he's done is he's laid a really good foundation for this team being a non-power 5 team to kind of, you know, kind of tip the apple cart in a different direction if you get what I'm saying. Conference breakdown. Big East with 3 teams, Big 10 with 2, American, uh American, Atlantic Coast, SEC, Conference USA and Big 12 all have 1 team each in the in the uh top 10. Your notables beyond the top 10. Gonzaga comes in at 11. Miami at 13 Miami's going to be real good in the ACC Laranaga Jim Laranaga again another coach that works his magic and he's got some talented team don't be surprised if Miami either wins this thing well I don't say win it they're they're going to be a team to beat in the ACC right now Duke's the standard bearer right now that's I mean as much as I hate to say it <laughs> I try to I try to keep it honest and real with you without my personal feelings did it for did it for the first time in a while. Much I said, Duke's gonna be the team to be until otherwise noti- notified. But, um, but I think Miami's going to be sneaking around there. Laronega always managed to find some really good guys to play Miami basketball. Kentucky at sixteen, Final Four participant San Diego State at seventeen, and UNC at nineteen. Um, oh, let's go back to the ladies for a second. Kansas State comes in as your top vote getter at twenty six. Top vote getter for the men, Wisconsin at 26. Um, I don't have any um, on the court news from college basketball right now. Again, the teams are still playing, you know, preseason practices. Some teams have played scrimmages, secret scrimmages. I think Arizona women played a scrimmage the other night. They smashed somebody, West Texas State or something. I don't freaking remember. Um, Jada Williams got her first basket, and, man, she <laughs> – I mean, they – uh had the perspective of her going to the basket. I mean, she th- she got a steal on a breakaway, <laughs> and she it was just she like Jordan, tongue out, just it's like insane. But she's gonna be fun to watch for the Arizona team from college basketball. We say rest in peace to Tasha Butts, forty one. She took over the Georgetown program as head coach back in April. So she uh, lost her battle to breast cancer. She came in from Georgia Tech as associate head coach. So last month she stepped away from the team was undergoing treatment. She was diagnosed with advanced stage breast cancer in 2021. During that time, she started the Tasha Tough campaign via the Kay Cancer Fund to raise money for women who could not afford quality care. She played her college ball at Tennessee for the Great Pats Summit. She played WNBA internationally for three years before entering coaching. And the praise and the uh, the praise for her came from so many people across basketball. Neil Fortner, the, hell, the head coach of Georgia Tech, in so many words said that we are not who we are without Tasha Butts. And she, you know, lamented her loss and you know to lose uh, a talented, up and coming coach, uh, someone who is very loved in the sport. Uh, so young to to cancer is again is sad and we have to continue her fight to do everything we can to find the cure to and also to support those women and everyone who have cancer so we say rest in peace to Tasha Butts her family and the Georgetown basketball family when we come back we'll talk a little bit of NBA we'll get into NFL and of course we get into the college football segment and I believe I will have dubs and L's stay tuned. All right, everybody, welcome back. So let's move over to the NBA. So let's see. Last night, Dame Time made its premiere in Milwaukee. Milwaukee blew a 19-point lead, but hey, Damian Lillard scores 39 points in his home debut, and the Bucks get a one-point win over Philadelphia. So there's a lot to clean up there. You, you, you blow a 19-point lead against a James Harden-less 76ers, which... <laughs> That in and of itself is a whole nother ball of wax. So Harden, I'll kind of get back to Milwaukee in a second, but Harden, um, the big question is where he's been. So in preseason, he missed a lot of practice. Um, he missed the last preseason game. I think that was against the Hawks. Um, he then proceeded to be available. He, he, I think he what? He he was available for. The or I think initially status was unavailable for unknown for the opener. Then I think they flew out to the opener and he wasn't allowed to uh, enter the plane or something. But anyway, this game against Milwaukee, um, he was not there. So the league is going to be investigating why he was unavailable because the new policy is what they are limiting load management. So stars can't miss big games like big televised games unless they are legitimately hurt. And, you know, I don't know if I've really talked about this load management thing, but I'll be quite honest with you. These players, you think about the NFL and you got guys that go out there and play football hurt and it's not obvious. And sometimes it is, but most of the time it isn't. And then in the end of the season, you have a player that says, oh, yeah, I played a whole season with a dislocated elbow or something crazy like that, you know. But what I don't understand is, and again, these are professional athletes. These guys, if they're not practicing their sport, like practicing plays or whatever the hell, they're working out. They're eating a certain way. They're doing all these things to stay in shape. NFL players go out there and damn near die on the field, play almost every game. And the NBA, again, same thing. These are professional athletes. They're playing. They're working out. They're taking care of their bodies, but I don't understand this load management thing. Call me crazy, but I watched the NBA in an era where there were guys who were legitimately hurt. Like, again, same thing. They would play 70-some games or how many games they were playing 30 years ago and would play damn near every game, play playoffs, win championships. These guys are, well, I'm going to play 50 games and I'm going to sit the other 30. What is going on? You are a professional athlete. You get paid way too much money To sit for half the season now if you're hurt if you are legitimately hurt you can't play you can't stand near your legs you can't move your arms fine I get it but you got a minor injury or eh, you know I tweak I'll give you tweak something go sit down for a game or two but this load management unless I'm missing something what are you doing like you need to you make what you make a hundred million dollar contract and you're gonna sit half the season what is going on unless you are Unless you need a freaking wheelchair, you need to be on the court. I think it's crazy the money they make, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to load manage. You work out and and take care of your body for a reason. You do it because you need to be out there playing every game. So kind of back to Harden, what is he doing? I'm sure he's not hurt. Him and Daryl Moore are beefing. He wanted a trade. It didn't happen. So, I, I mean, this is typical what we see with you know not just for him but typically what we see with these athletes okay i'm not getting my way i'm sitting fine philly trade the man i mean again it's like you want dis- you don't want distractions but at the same time too when distractions happen, you deal with them. Most of the time, you want if you want a distraction, you want it to be something dealing with on the court. Off-the-court distractions are a whole nother ball of wax. We've seen time and time again how these all these off-court distractions have have really affected team chemistry, they've affected franchises. Again, the examples are too many. We've talked about them here on the show. But the NBA I think I like this rule. Um, I think, you know, sadly enough, I think there kind of needs to be a line drawn that, you know, unless you are legitimately hurt, you need to be playing, period. And with Harden, I I don't know. I've got a feeling they're going to find something is awry here because, you know, apparently, again, this is what I know, unless someone else knows something more than I do, which somebody probably does. But as far as his actual status which that could be undercover, but some insider somewhere knows this. But I don't think he's hurt. Again, this has to do with him not being traded. And, hey, trade him. I mean, what you might disagree, and that's fine. I mean, you know, I just say deal with the problem. You want to have cohesiveness, cohesiveness in the locker room. You want to have good culture in the locker room. I mean, Daryl Morey could feel some kind of way. Hey, he, we used to be cool. Now he don't like me. And it's not personal. I mean, it shouldn't be. It's business. So if you can, and, and there's probably contract considerations as well, you know, salary cap, blah, blah, you know, whatever. But the GM is responsible for working all that stuff out. If you can find a deal, send them somewhere happy, get something in return, um, and, you know, push yourself, kind of push the team towards being a contender, possibly winning the East, whatever, great, Whatever. Just do it again. It lessens the distractions. And and trust me, we've seen what's happened with the Sixers. They've had plenty of distractions. And I think Sixers fans are I think they're more than ready to kind of move away from these distractions and kind of get into, okay, let's play the game. Let's get better. Let's try to contend and win in the East. So that's kind of my thoughts on the James Harden situation. But he wasn't available for the game. Uh, Damian Lillard went off as we said and you know the the we talked about that trade when it happened and how I think it makes the Bucks you know gives them a different look Um, definitely the Bucks are definitely contenders in the east the Celtics are definitely contenders because they were involved in that trade it was like a 3 or 14 trade and then of course what Drew Holiday ends up going to Portland and he ends up back in the east with the Celtics so You know, all this is is, is looking very interesting in the East. And Nuggets, of course, you know, uh, as tough as they were um, in last season and winning the title, you definitely got to say that they're definitely the team to beat again. So uh, we'll kind of be tracking it. I haven't really had a chance to watch too many games uh, this last couple days. The season started a couple days ago, but I'll probably be – Uh, sitting down and checking out a couple games over the weekend as I can because so much going on. Of course, college football on Saturday, there'll be some games. So we'll talk a little bit more NBA. And I think I'm going to have a little bit of NBA talk uh, for the upcoming Wednesday conversations. I'm again, fingers crossed Wednesday conversation will be coming. Talk a little NBA of next week. Let's go over to the NFL notable week eight games. Wait for it. There's literally only... A couple games that are of real note um Jaguars at Steelers 1 p.m. CBS Browns at Seahawks 405 on Fox and then Monday Night Football Raiders at Lions 815 ABC ESPN because to be honest with you most of the games this week we're hitting that weird period in the NFL season where the games are like matchups of like two teams that are three and four or A a six note, maybe a six note team versus a one and one and five team. So some of the matchups are really lopsided this week. But these are the only two really good matchups. Even Monday Night Football, uh, it's a really good Lions team against a meh Raiders team. I mean, wouldn't be. I mean, Lions will probably win that game. But you know, this is why they play because anything could possibly happen on on in in football and sports in general. So that's NFL. We'll go through all the week week eight winners next week college football let's get to the con- college football conversation we go to the ap week nine uh top 10 at number one so top six positions let's listen to this all still undefeated and they all held from last week georgia still number one 38 first place votes michigan has half that in first place votes they hold at number two ohio state at three three first place votes Florida State at four with three first place votes, Washington five, Oklahoma six, seven through ten. Texas up a spot to seven. Oregon up a spot to eight. Alabama up a spot to nine. I'm sorry, up two spots to nine. Penn State down three spots to number ten. Your biggest movers this week, LSU and Missouri of the SEC both move up four spots. LSU 15, Missouri 16. Biggest drop this week, North Carolina. They dropped seven spots to 17. We'll talk about UNC in just a moment. into the poll this week. Shout out to Harrisonburg. The Dukes of JMU moving at number 25. Iowa drops this week. We'll talk about Iowa brief in the second. And your top vote vote getter this week are the Florida Gators at number 26. Last week, week eight picks, 13 games. I go eight and five not feeling too bad about the picks last week we'll go through in a second and i'm currently 72 and 44 for the season so i mean you know um real close to having 100 games under the belt so once we get to 100 games we'll kind of uh look at the uh the percentage again i think the percentage is still holding about 62 63 percent uh, so not bad, you know. Sixty-three percent of the time I'm right, which that's probably about my life average anyway. Um, let's look at the games from last week. So look at my list here, and really everything kind of held serve last week. Ohio State won, Air Force won. So Air Force I think will get Army, if not next week, the week after. So army's not looking too good this year so i think air force is probably a shoo-in i believe they are still holding the commander in chiefs trophies i think they're gonna hold it again army navy as always will be a classic a good game it'll just be okay we're trying to fight to see who's the better team for 365 64 days uh, but no commander in chiefs trophy for navy anyway Um, army might make this interesting, but we'll see what the line looks like when they meet, um, Oregon held serve Alabama. Um, I took Nebraska over Northwestern. That was a coin flip West Virginia, Oklahoma state, Oklahoma state won. That was a coin flip. Um, the dammit award this week goes to Georgia tech because I don't know. I kind of felt like that was a good opportunity for them at home against Boston college. I don't remember the score, but they were what five and a half point favorites. I felt at home. And yeah, I was thinking about this this morning. I feel like as a UVA alum and fan, I'm giving Georgia Tech way too much love because you know if you remember the '90s UVA number no in the nation, and of course, uh, what was it? Sisson kicks the field goal to beat us, and yeah, I yeah that that one still hurts. I was very young then, but it still hurts. But nevertheless, yeah, I like their coach Brent Key. He's um I gave him a dub uh, a while ago. He had some uh, some poignant things to say about gun ch- gun control. I don't know the man's politics, but I mean, anybody who uses that platform to come out against, uh, you know, school shootings and and solving the problems of school shootings. I mean, hey, I mean, he's uh, he seems like he's a really tough guy. Loves Georgia Tech. Uh, he's an alum played, played for the school. But I felt they had a good opportunity to be BC because BC watching them play. I feel like they should be better. That's the thing. So I'm kind of with what I saw, this should be a better team than what they are. They've got some talent, but I felt Tech might have had a little bit more in the tank. But anyway, that, that's the best I could do with the damning award because um, what well, Iowa, they had the opportunity to win. And I think the winning touchback, winning touchdown got called back. So I think they end up losing to Minnesota by like, was it like 12 to six or something ridiculous. I mean, that was, that was a low scoring game. So (laughs) again, Iowa, not a lot of offense there. So now I'm kind of thinking is Iowa for real? Because their offense started out on the upswing and now it's just kind of going right down to the dumps again. So I don't know if Iowa is that team. I felt confident About them against Minnesota and Minnesota, same way. Minnesota always starts out either slow and picks it up or they start off fast and it goes downhill. So two teams are kind of, you know, 50 50 uh, in the Big Ten slate. But that game, like I said, eh, I thought Iowa had it. They didn't. But again, they but they lost it on the last play. So they were in position to win. Penalty called it back, so they couldn't win that game. Um, looking at the rest of last week's slate, um, Clemson Miami went to overtime. That was crazy, and Miami got the win. So, you know that was good for them. I mean, they had kind of been on a little bit of a a little bit of a skid. No, well, yeah, they um, had the 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 loss, and then they came came back in uh, won at home against Clemson, Utah, USC. I mean, come on. that— and, and, and what's funny here is after that loss, I saw a lot of people talking about Caleb Williams and saying, well, you know, maybe it's time for him to hang it up and get ready for the draft. And in my head, I'm going, that doesn't make any sense because people were kind of saying, saying in the comments while I was thinking the man's a competitor. Why are you going to quit on your team? That doesn't make sense. I mean, he still could win the Heisman again. I, again, you know it's you know it's there but anyway but there are guys out there i think michael pennix jr is probably going to be one of the finals for the heisman but yeah to say that i just thought that was a, a this just kind of a ridiculous response to that loss um but i felt utah had their number uh, again rematch of the uh pac-12 championship last year so that's kind of uh, some of the picks i didn't I meant to talk about the uh, UNC-UVA game last week as it's the South's oldest rivalry. And, you know, Virginia did not have a chance. They haven't had a great season this year. But, man, if they needed a win, that was the way to get it last week. And that is why Carolina dropped from 10 to 17th. So they really went after Drake May. Mike Hollins lost his mind. I think he had three touchdowns. And that's Virginia's first win against a top 10 opponent. And they did it on the road. So you want to talk about joyful players. You want to talk about a head coach and Tony Elliott, who is just so happy for his players, but relieved. So now I kind of feel like Virginia can kind of play a little bit more free. I mean, they got Miami this week, so they got a Miami team that had to go to overtime with Clemson, beat them. Um, a Miami team that's not going to lay down. They're they're a tough team. They're in the mold of their coach. Um, definitely talented. But why do I feel like Virginia always goes to, to to Miami Gardens? When was the last time ACC, can we schedule this a little bit better? When was the last time the U was in Charlottesville? I saw them play us in Charlottesville a number of years ago, and I know they've been there since, but I feel like every year Virginia goes to Miami. Can we fix this and make this more of a hey you go to our house one year and we go to your house the next year instead of Virginia's going to Miami like every freaking year let's fix that but back to Virginia nobody gave them a shot they played great you know obviously wasn't perfect but they played well enough to get a big top 10 win so congratulations to UVA again I mean again I know they really celebrated that win but I know they were back to work on Monday they already headed out to Miami Gardens so they're getting ready for that win that game I think it's a 3:30 game on I think it's ACC Network but I'll definitely be tuning in uh radio and television for that one to see how if Virginia can kind of take that momentum and turn it into potentially you know another win I mean there's you know coach Tony Elliott has basically said you know there's still Games to play. There's still opportunities in the season. And, you know, I I think I may have talked about this before, but, um, you know, the, the, the fan base is really split. And it's crazy to me how, you know, people didn't think Virginia was going to do jack squat this season. And then when it happened, people are actually mad about it. And I'm going, OK, so you're mad about the fact that people told us we weren't going to be very good. We're not very good. And you're mad. And now it's fire everybody. And I'm kind of look, ain't nobody getting fired. Ain't nobody going nowhere. We have talent. We're getting guys in. There's a lot of pieces to this. And a lot of it is kind of more on the on the outside that you know the master plan to build a new football facility, you know, Virginia's behind. Let, let let's let's be clear about that. If you think about the rest of the ACC, Virginia is behind and they're trying to they're trying to make up for it. They're building a new football facility. I mean, that's one of the things I think for the previous head coach Bronco Mendenhall, he really wanted that to happen and it started uh prior to him resigning and then of course with coach Elliott coming in the commitment however been made the I think the football facility is kind of about it's about I want to say about 40 to 50 percent complete I've been seeing pictures here and there the, the, the players have had the opportunity to tour it so you know it's that it's NIL you know we're in the, we're just in a new phase of of operating in the college football landscape and you know, Virginia's they're playing catch up and it's, it's terrible. It's sad, but um, you know, hopefully it happens that they can kind of, you know, regain the ground, but the big piece happening on the field, they're getting commitments from guys who can kind of make up that next wave of great players of, of foundational players to get this program kind of back in the conversation because Virginia has been in the conversation. If, you you watch college football, you know, you know where they've been. The players have come out of that program and it's just going to take some time. I mean, I, and I hope that, you know, moving forward that Coach Elliott, you know, gets the time to do it, that the things will work out. But what's funny is that, you know, the people who are the naysayers. We're probably among the first people to go, yeah, we won. I'm going, why don't you shut your mouth? You're one of the people in the echo chamber who are like, this team's terrible. We need to fire the coach. But everyone's back on the bandwagon because, you know, we won. It's like, yeah, I really want those people shunned from shamed and shunned from the fan base because it's like either you're on the bus or you're off the bus. If you're on the bus, cool. If you're off Keep it moving. So, but, but yeah, that I had to get that off my chest. I think I actually wanted to um talk about that some time ago. I just, I think I forgot to do it in a particular show. I meant to write it down, but that's that. More ACC action real quick before we get to our picks. Last night, two teams go four and four Virginia Tech at home versus four and four Syracuse, 38 10, Virginia Tech. It wasn't even close. Tech. Scored on their first six possessions, they led thirty to three at the half. Virginia Tech rushed for three hundred and eighteen yards and had five hundred and twenty-eight total yards of offense. So Tech's kind of now remember they're four and fourteen, and I actually think both teams were four and three rather. So now they're four and four. So Tech has kind of been slowly ramping it up, and I think head coach Brett Brett Pry basically said, you know. They're getting better every day. We're doing the things we need to do. Culture in the locker room's good. So he's pleased that Tech is kind of putting the pieces together, which depending on what side you're on for me, okay, that's a little scary thought for Tech fans. They're happy, obviously. Um, Syracuse is 0-4 in the conference. Another slow start for Dino Baber's team. This isn't looking good. So as I'm preparing my notes for the show, I'm kind of, you know, reading through a lot of the post game notes. And, you know, Dino Babers, again, not happy about the team's slow start. Listen to this. The question I had was, is Dino Babers on the hot seat? Remember, two seasons ago, he was on the hot seat. Managed to eke out a decent season. I think they went to a bowl. And then it's like, okay, um, you get another season because the questions were out there. Is Dino Babers done in Syracuse? The questions were out there. He survived. Last season, better season. So then it's okay. We're off to the races. Babers, eight seasons. He's 40 and 53. They've only had two winning seasons and two bowl appearances. I don't know. I mean, again, as he's he's a likable coach. His players love him. I would like to see him stay, but I don't know. I, I feel like after last night, the records, I don't know. I, we'll, we'll see, but it the, the writing on the wall is not looking good for Dino Babers of Syracuse. We'll keep our eye on it because, you know, as far as, and we've said this, as far as the coaching carousel turning for not for bad work performance, for not being a good coach, that carousel hasn't really been turning. You know, we know about Mel Tucker; that was for other things. So we'll keep an eye on it. We know that at a certain point in the season, the coaching carousel will start to fire up. Whether it happens, and I'm surprised no one has gotten fired yet, but that's kind of a good thing. It's weird to fire a coach halfway or maybe a third away through the season, or even close to the end of the season. That makes more sense, but at that time, you know, halfway through the season, that sounds crazy, but. We'll see how it all goes. Tech, they get a big test. They go to Louisville next week. 18th ranked Louisville. We'll see them next week. Um, I might see how that's going to look. I know Louisville, I believe, is on my list of games to call this week. We'll see how they look this week. And then we'll see if Tech Louisville makes the cut for the week 10 games in college football. Let's move over to the week nine picks. Let me see. I have four Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 12. I think I have 13 games this week again. I think I have 13. I'll double check that in a moment. Um, so outside of the last night, it's a little bit of action Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday. Let's go to Saturday. We start noon on Fox from Kansas. So the Kansas Jayhawks welcome in sixth ranked and undefeated Oklahoma. Oklahoma are nine-point favorites. I'll take the Sooners over Kansas. Nine points sounds about right. It might be nine or more. 2 p.m. Again, on the CW. This, again, the CW showing ACC games says so much, and it's not good. But anyway, Clemson at 10-point favorites head to Raleigh Carter-Finley Stadium to take on NC State. I'll take Clemson over State. I think it'll be a little less than 10 points, but I'll take Clemson coming off the loss. State? Again, defense, I like their defense. The offense is kind of what it is. You know, Dr. Bob and his offense is, you know, but I'll take Clemson over NC State. 330 in Jacksonville, CBS, the 100, the 101st meeting. That's what I can guess. So the, the, the world's largest cocktail party, I still call it that, sue me. Number one, Georgia at 14 and a half, take on Florida. So the crazy part about the meeting, every school, each school in this rivalry, Florida and Georgia will dispute how many times they've met. I think Georgia says it's 100. Florida says it's 101. I split the difference. This is the 101st meeting in Jacksonville. I'll take Georgia over Florida. Um, 14 points sounds about right. It could be more. But Florida uh, at number 26, I mean, they would do well to actually play a good game, possibly win this one. But I don't see it happening. I'll take Florida uh, Georgia over Florida. 330 slate. Texas at 19 point favorites at home, 7th ranked Welcome in Brigham Young. I think it's a little closer than 19, but I'll take Texas over Brigham Young. Um, let's go over to 330 on ESPN Plus. The Magic City Classic from Birmingham's Legion Field. Alabama A&M takes on Alabama State last season. Hopefully you remember this. Alabama AM fans, a group of their fans had a quote funeral for Alabama State. They were in the parking lot somewhere and they had a cat, they had a real casket, which I'm going, hey, stop your funeral home friends from doing this. And they were weeping like, oh, they're having a funeral for their rivals. And what happened? Uh, Eddie Robinson Jr. and Alabama State took the Alabama. <laughs> it was, that's kind of like the wildest thing ever. But, in this one, so the largest HBCU um, classic in game, usually about 200,000 fans or more show up for the events and the game. I'm going to take Eddie Robinson Jr. I really like his energy. Um, still remember the don't bro hug me with Coach. <laughs> that was that was that was gold. But I'll take uh, Eddie Robinson Jr. in Alabama State to win the Magic City Classic for a second straight year over Alabama A&M. Um, back to the Pac-12, number eight, Oregon, six and a half point favorites go to Rice Eccles to take on number 13, Utah, uh, 330 Fox. I'll take Utah close at plus six and a half. Um, that's going to be a battle. I think that might be the game of the day. This week's slate wasn't that good. I, I was really looking at some games. I don't know if this is going to be, you know, this is kind of you know, it was it was a little slim pickings this week as far as good games. ESPN, number 20 Duke heads to Louisville to take on the Cardinals. The Cardinals are four and a half point favorites. I'm going to take Duke over Louisville. Um, It'll be close. I'll take the Blue Devils over the Cardinals. Uh, Let's move to 7 o'clock. 7 p.m. Slate CBS Sports Network, the 61st meeting between Air Force, 19th ranked, who are two touchdown favorites over Colorado State or at Colorado State for the Ram Falcon Trophy and uh, Air Force is on a six-game win streak. To be honest with you, I need to go find a list of all of the rivalry trophies in football and create a top five worst name list. And I feel like the Ram Falcon trophy should be somewhere in, the, in, in that top five. That's a terrible, I mean, I don't know. It's like you couldn't be more creative. Yes, there are Rams versus Falcons, but can we be more creative? Like what Iowa State and Iowa's is the Cyhawk trophy. Really? That's the best you could do? Eh, okay. Yeah. Top five worst rivalry trophy names. I think Cyhawk trophy and Ram Falcon trophy belong in that list. We'll work on that. Uh tell them what you think. Find a rivalry trophy and tell me if you think is the name is super horrible. Back to the game. I'd like Air Force to win this game. It'll be close. Colorado State. Um they showed us a little something this season. That Colorado game. I mean, you you, you look at what they did, and it was it was a battle, but I like Air Force close over Colorado State. 7 p.m. ESPN from Commonwealth Stadium in Lexington. Kentucky welcomes in number 21 ranked Tennessee. Tennessee are three and a half point favorites. I'm gonna take Kentucky. I'll take Kentucky at plus three and a half. Um, that feels like a coin flip to me. <laughs> we'll just coin flip that one and we'll call it here. 7:30 ABC. I'm sorry, 7:30 NBC. Number three, Ohio State, two touchdown favorites. Visit Camp Randall to take on Wisconsin. So uh, Luke Fickle gets against, gets to go up against his alma mater. I'll take Ohio State over Wisconsin. Uh, this game I haven't picked yet. This game is going to haunt me. I promise you. 730 ABC. This is a okay primetime game, but I think when you look at it, it's okay. I think it's going to be fun. It's going to provide some drama, as it always does it's going to be intriguing. Colorado heads to Pasadena, the Rose Bowl to take on number 23 UCLA. Get this. UCLA are 16 and a half point favorites. So here's the thing. We talked about Colorado's woes, the defense. Um I'm not the defense. We talk about Colorado's offensive line. Um that's the big issue. Um I don't know. UCLA has been up and down this season. I can't really I, I, I'm gonna have to literally sit here and pick on the spot. If I had to pick, first of all, I think 16 and a half's a little disrespectful. I don't know if UCLA's got the juice like that. So with that said, I'm gonna uh plus 16 and a half. You I are, are you really thinking? And I'm thinking I'm I'm, I'm spitballing out loud here. I'm asking you as you're listening to this, but you're going to be like, why are you asking me? I this by the time you listen to this game, probably will ever happen. But anyway, Colorado is plus 16 and a half. Based on what's been happening here, they played USC and they, what they came back. You see, let the boot off their neck. They came back, but they still, you see USC rather. I think what they still won the game. Um, Oh, crap. Okay, coin flip here. I'm I'm not literally going to do a coin flip. I I honestly cannot figure. You know me. Sometimes I will make a a pick on the spot. I cannot figure out who's going to win this game. I feel like UCLA has the edge, but uh, I'll take UCLA. (laughs) I'll just take UCLA. Screw it. I'll take UCLA. It's going to be under 16 and a half. There is no way UCLA beats Colorado by that much. I don't see it because... Again, UCLA's been up and down this season. I don't see it happening. 1030, Pac-12, Pac-12 out the dark. So this is the second time this season I've said that. Number 11, Oregon State. Three-point favorites. They go to the desert. They go to Tempe to take on, no, Tempe? Yeah, anyway, not Tempe. They go to Tucson, different T's to take on Arizona. This game will be close. Arizona's playing a lot better football. I'll take Oregon State over Arizona close. This might be less than a field goal game. Last game of the night, UNLV heads to Fresno State. 1030 Fox Sports 1. Fresno State are 8.5 eight point favorites. I'll take Fresno State over UNLV. So there's the picks for the week. I think we'll recount in 12, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Thirteen games. So we got 13 games again this week. So looking at this slate, this is probably the week I'll go six and six and seven. Watch. All right. Let's get the dubs and L's dubs and L's this week from the NHL. The NHL rescinded the pride tape ruling. So uh, there was a player and I apologize. I didn't get his name or at least I saw it and I forgot to check his name. But one player has already disobeyed the band and used pride tape. Kudos to him. When I saw this on Twitter, people were just like, well, I bet he lost about a thousand Instagram followers and he probably did. And who freaking cares? Number one, if you are so bold as to go into a hockey players mentions, call this person everything but a child of God and, you know, say he's this, that and the third and threaten them. First of all, good luck on that, because I know you know it and I know it that you couldn't whoop that man's ass. I know it and you know it. So stop being a a, a what a, a, a an Instagram bully, an online bully. Stop it. Okay. So not too long after that, the NHL rescinded the rule. Hey, some sense exists in the NHL. Imagine that. But the damage has already been done. My question here is: does the NHL have a PR problem? I really want to get to the bottom of that because they you we've had this conversation we had you know our our friend renee hess on the show and she's had a birthday recently happy birthday again to renee hess and you know hockey has done so much to do outreach many teams if not all of them have people on their staff to do outreach so bringing in more diversity into arenas into the sport But the higher levels are doing this kind of dumb stuff. And then, of course, all the the hubbub and the craziness with the pride sweaters last year. Again, it doesn't make any sense. It's like on one hand, we want you here. But on the other hand, we're going to find ways to insult you because we don't want you here. So the NHL is really dealing with a lot of issues. But kudos to and I will um, do an errors and omissions next show. I'll get the man's information and I'll share with you i apologize but kudos to the player who said you know what i don't care i'm using this tape i want to show that at least from his perspective that hockey should truly be for everyone all right everybody with that i leave you on this friday it is time for me to have some lunch and maybe hit some golf balls and fold my laundry and actually maybe do some work for my day job (laughs) good luck on that but anyway i appreciate you listening as always please make sure you like the show subscribe give me a five star rating if you can share the show tell everyone you can about the show if they like sports i talk about a little bit of everything tell them to check me out um emails in the show notes uh, please connect with me on social media. Talk me an email, whatever's on your mind, you know, be respectful. Don't be a, don't be an internet bully um, because it's easier to block you than to uh, argue with you. That's my rule on social media. But until I talk to you again, make sure you find me Instagram, Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Until next week, we'll recap everything. We'll reset the deck for MLB, all the good stuff in the college football Make sure you continue to mask up, protect yourself, flu shot, COVID vaccines, and always remember to drink your water and mind the business that pays you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at itsuncledub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sports wagon pod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.